Oh hey, it's every weekend. Some more fighting game stock would be neat. No. Okay. How about... Hey, I'm back from the April Fool's timeline. Let's talk anime some more. Absolutely not. Wow. The other timelines, Galen is way less rude. What's happening? Tactics Ogre Reborn is happening. Tactics Ogre Reborn is definitively, actually, truthfully happening. It's not a rumor. It's not hearsay. It's real. They pretended it wasn't happening with each rumor and leak, but it's real. It's really happening, so you will not take this away from me any longer. We will talk about tactical RPG music, and we will have a good time. Understood? Yes, yes sir. sir. Welcome to Music Arcade. Hello everyone, I'm Galen the Sound Guy Firestone. I'm Rana Keller 3D Mansional this time. Hi, I'm Sam Zeral Ziegelman. Welcome back. Uh, and we are I am excited uh, about this episode, as you can no, tell by the intro. We are excited about this episode, actually. Fair enough. I I'm pretty excited as well. This is gonna be yes. fun. <laughs> um Man, I have been begging for Tactics Ogre and FFT on Steam for basically ever, and now it's actually going to occur. Uh, I'm giddy, and I'm like, we need to do an episode to celebrate. Yeah, exactly, and it's like, the theme has been uh, on the docket for a while. Initially, uh, we planned to do it at least when uh, Triangle Strategy released. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Tactics is such a nice uh, comfort genre. It is. Um, <laughs> and I've been known to play some, like, there was a couple indie ones that I was looking at songs for for this episode. A game called Felseal, which I really fell in love with. Um, obviously, the Mercenaries games, which are hilariously semi-competent. Um, yes. There was all sorts of ones that I was looking at. Uh and it just, it, it, this is just one of these genres that I keep going back to and usually have a good time with. So I thought it'd be a good idea to hit the button on this one finally with the announcement of a game that probably shouldn't exist, but I'm so, so glad it will. Even though we still need a few more details to be sure which version it is. Yeah, it seems largely based on the PSP version, but there's some questions that still need answering, and hopefully in the coming months before November happens, they will be answered. Uh, but until Honestly, that... we take what we can get. <laughs> Honestly, we take what we can get. I'm sure I'll have a good time with the game anyway, and I know several other friends of mine who will as well, but likely you guys, who knows? Yeah, like, if we can have fun with some perfectly middle-of-the-world games, we can have fun with Tactics Ogre once more. Yes, which... And for me, I'm not usually a person who plays tactical RPGs, but I'm interested as well. The hype around it is sounding great. I mean, oh, it's yeah. a very good game. Oh yeah. Um, I put like 200 hours into the PSP version. I um, didn't, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Fair enough. Um, and before I move on, I want to just say something real quick. So, out of most of my friends, I'm one of the few people who had the Tactics Ogre experience in the past and still play Final Fantasy XIV. Now, there's a dungeon in Final Fantasy XIV called Palace of the Dead. And the 100th floor boss of the Palace of the Dead is a guy by the name of Nybeth Abdelord, who is actually from Tactics Ogre. That guy's a crossover. And when his music, Blasphemous Experiment, started playing, I was the only guy in the group to kind of, like, 
drop everything and go, you're kidding me, this is happening right now? <laughs> Absolutely, Papino. Insane. Yeah. And let's be honest, it's mostly there because Yoshi P is a fanboy. Uh, yes, considering to, to we ended To be fair, that's literally half of Yoshi P's MO. It is. It works. It is. It works. And I'm okay with that. And we may as well talk about the game in question now, so let's dive right into it. My first song pick is the most obvious song pick for this topic, and that is Rebellion slash Revolt slash Thunder, depending on the translation, done in this case for the PSP version of Tactics Ogre. Oh, hey, look, we're going full circle. <laughs> um... This song is Hitoshi Sakimoto at his absolute most John Williams, and I am here for it. <laughs> for those who might not know what that term might mean, broad strokes, wide-reaching, hopeful, forward-pressing. You can definitely feel that this piece is a charge to victory. Yeah, big, big thematic statement. Big thematic statement. Um, Y'all like know me, y'all know the kind of journey, music I listen to. A heroic journey. Right? Um, this is a song that really has been part and parcel of the Ogre Battle series from the very beginning, the very first SNES Ogre Battle, this was its main theme. It's been remixed, redone a million and one times. I mentioned I put like 200 hours into Tactics Ogre, I must have put like 800 hours into Ogre Battle 64, of which this song, again, played a big part. Huh. Um... And this version is, at least for now, the definitive version in my mind, because, hey, live orchestra. I ever going to argue yeah, The only orchestra. way they could make it more definitive is if they release an entirely new super cool Tactics Ogre. Yeah, but a funny thing about November, huh? No, I said entirely new. Oh, 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 well, a new Ogre game of any kind would be welcome. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing what the follow-up to Person of Lordly Caliber would actually be, but that's a whole other set of conversations, so not really relevant for this particular one. Hey, because... look, I, I got my new Valkyrie game, you allowed to hope. Yes, uh, we'll be definitely talking about that at some point in the future, let me tell you. Um, the song itself is, you know, big, straightforward, orchestral, it's got the, like, big string score, it... it Compositionally, it's about as on the nose as it gets. Like, it's not trying anything new. As I said, it's very John Williams. Yeah, like, it's a perfect first song because it's the platonic ideal of a tactics game song. The composition is there, the pacing is perfect. It's the ideal song to look at a grid of people and decide who's gonna murder who in what order. Mm hmm. <laughs> um, absolutely accurate. And, um,. I will say, though, even though it's not really trying anything new, compositionally, this is extremely strong. That melody line is just hook after hook after hook. It gets in your head. I mean, don't break what's not, what's not broken. I, pretty much. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, I think is the words you were looking for. Sometimes words are hard. <laughs> Sometimes words are hard. Um, I may I, be an English major, but I know that for a fact because of that. <laughs> I hear you. Loud. I mean, you'd be in the best position to know, I think. I really like the bridge where it kind of slows down and chills and then builds back up into the main reprise. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed in a lot of the tracks we're going to talk about. There's very often a little bit of breathing room every now and then. 
which I think is good. Um, yeah. Just because some of these pieces can be... It, there's a difference between pressing and oppressive. Yes. Yeah, and there's room to go real hard on music in these games, usually in like hard, like more challenging or more urgent fights, or rescue missions or boss fights. This is not that. This is a statement of fact. We're just, this is the game itself. We're not talking about the crazy stuff. And there's no shortage of songs that go hard on the Tactics Ogre soundtrack. I oh yes. I mean, we talked about Blasphemous Experiment before. Yeah, and that's a song that's actually a little more chill, I think, than Deserves, but this is one of the yeah, most vile and recurring bad guys. In... Yeah. And then, uh, musically, you end up with this just great tapestry that, just, again, it sells the scene. It sets the scene. Um, love the use of horns here. I'm not usually a horns guy, but I think, like, they don't overdo it. Yes. It's not like, say, the entirety of the Final Fantasy XII soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, that's another Sakimoto soundtrack, and it's a very good one, but yeah, he does kind of overdo it at times. There's a couple songs that are like, calm down, my friend. Yeah, no, he does definitely more of a balance. Yeah. So, Rana, I think that you were talking about something before about another game that was remade and some tracks that are interesting between the two. Very much so. But before I talk about uh, Fire Emblem, I wanted to uh, briefly mention a game that I didn't put in because it was too easy to do literally anything with it. Oh dear. So, yes, Project Cross Zone and Project Cross Zone 2 are tactics game. So, what's wrong with talking about music from them? It's Go on, like an ask, ultra... I dare you. Okay, what's wrong with putting music in from that game that's a tactics game and it's not an ultra crossover at all or anything like that? Well, I'm glad you asked, Galen Firestone, my friend. The thing is that this would allow me to basically cheat at this episode, and I would only do that if it wasn't tactics game, which is a genre that I genuinely like. And so, why would I use that crutch of a game to uh, avoid talking about tactics track and instead talk about, say, Ryu's theme from Street Fighter, Zero's theme from Mega Man X, there's some Mega Man X4 in there as well. There's some Yakuza tracks. There's some Resonance of Fate tracks. There's some advertising track from the Sega Saturn in there. <laughs> this An advertising game... track from the Sega Saturn. That's... Yes, because Sega Tassanshiro is a playable support character in oh. the second game. <laughs> this game allows me to cheat so hard that it lets that I could bring it up as well in the no playing section even though I'm not playing it because a Xenoblade character is it is there and I am playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. This game lets me cheat so hard that I can loop back around and be 
in the expected areas again because there's also Chrom and Lucina from Fire Emblem Awakening and characters from Sakura Wars, which is also a tactics game. I feel like I'm being subtweeted for the April Fool's episode, but that was literally the joke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even I didn't know about that. Don't wrap me into that. And so, I just wanted to make sure you know that I had this at my disposal and chose to be reasonable for once. And we thank you for that. Correct. Though I will admit that the one time I did, like, actually cheat, I made an actual point. And I'm going to actually, once again, talk about Xenoblade, because back in the fighting games episode, I brought a mechanical rhythm from Xenoblade because it was in Smash, and literally, like, if I was a jerk, I would do this. And then as I was thinking about it, I'm like, wait, I actually have something to say, I need to add this. And I believe I apologized <laughs> for it in advance, but going, like, I actually have a discussion point? Yep, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, I, I, I applaud creative thinking on this show, but I, I, outright cheating kind of rubs me the wrong way, unless that's the entire joke. So thank you yes, for your exactly. restraint. You're welcome. Now then, March to Deliverance from, uh, Fire Emblem Shadows of Valencia. Or Shadows of Valencia? Shadows of Valencia, yes. That sounds right. And it's written right in front of me in the production order. <laughs> Uh, it's actually not a music that happens during the fight, but uh, right before them, as you're preparing and deciding which units and loadouts you're bringing up for the coming battle. Really? This is um, a preparation track? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have called that. Yeah. yeah, it's very much in tune with uh, the rest of the pace of the game. And uh, as a result, you hear it a lot, and uh, if you're anything like me, you don't mind, because it's a really nice introduction for an epic in the original sense of the word. Yeah. Um, this has some big vibes to it. I, I would also make the argument that this is kind of the plot uh, platonic ideal of the more, like, tense and aggressive tactics rpg sound yeah like um, this yeah. one goes forward for sure yeah i a common theming of this is like not only just this but also others but this one is just that ideal that the constant pressure forward from the background making the player feel like the only way is forward no retreat no surrender style yeah, and we'll be talking about a couple of similar songs later on. Like, that's that's another recurring theme in our selections. One other thing I really like, and that's very much more particular to this theme, however, is that there's a complementarity to it. There's a calm and a more powerful part that sometimes even overlap, but remain distinct, which is uh, a nice way to uh, say both how it's a tale of two different scales, and also a tale of two different protagonists. Because that's one of the main things of uh, this game compared to uh, other games in the series, in that you have Arm and you have Celica as the two protagonists, each with their own armies. Um, which is cool. I've got to be honest, uh, Celica is one of the few Fire Emblem characters I know. 
And I have a quasi-irrational hatred of her. <laughs> bad, bad. Okay, so once upon a time there was a game called Fire Emblem Warriors. And Celica <laughs> uh, was one of the playable characters in Fire Emblem Warriors. And she was just a Barth clone in terms of moveset. And I'm like, I already kind of don't like that moveset. And she was voiced by Erica Lindbeck. Now, by this point in time, Erica Lindbeck is kind of this monster of an actor. Um, but at the time, this was only the second role that I'd ever heard from her, uh, following Anemone from Nier Automata. Both roles were just her, kind of her worst. And I became convinced that I didn't really like her as an actor. Oh. Right after playing this game, I played Tales of Berseria, where she played a major role, and then Persona 5, where she played a major role, and then she keeps showing up and other stuff being awesome. And then I kind of go back to Fire Emblem Warriors, and I'm like, wow, she just wasn't good for this part, at least in terms of the Warriors aspect. And it made me briefly consider that I didn't like her as an actor, which turned out to be the opposite of the case. She's probably my favorite of this newest crop of English voice actors. And, um... I kind of hate Celica for turning me against an actor I would eventually really come to appreciate. Honestly, I didn't have any problem with the uh, with her performance in uh, uh, Shadows of Valencia itself, so I don't know if that's warrior-specific lines or anything like that. I couldn't tell. What I can tell, however, is that uh, this track also... Uh, manages to uh, both elevate and keep the personality of the original, because Shadows of Valencia is, uh, like uh, Zewal said during her transition, a remake from uh, Fire Emblem Ga Gaiden. Right. And so you have the original on the NES, and obviously it's much more simple, because there's only so many audio channels there, but uh, the composition by itself is still very solid and still has this uh, uh, that it's pointing forward, ever onwards. Yeah, uh, the composition definitely maintains, but I agree with you. It does absolutely elevate the... The remix absolutely does elevate it from the source material. Um, and I love it when that happens, just in general. Yeah, like, it's Same. basically the difference between seeing four people fighting with sticks and seeing entire armies clash. Right. I, it, for me, my best comparison point for music is Pokemon, because of their consistent amount of remakes that they do. But Go on. They, the elevation from where it originally where some tracks originally were, to where they are in the remakes. Uh, for instance, uh, the recent uh, Diamond and Pearl remix, uh, the difference between Cynthia's theme before and Cynthia's theme in the new one, while, is, while they did begin to work with orchestral sounds in original Diamond and Pearl, they elevated it and made it even better with the remake making it fuller, making it more intimidating and above, because that even is the it, Even though it's a bit different in this game, because Cynthia's theme was uh, very electronic. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's not 
there's certainly an elevation in both cases, but not this idea that it's swelling the importance and moving it forward to uh, this, uh, like I said, epic uh, era to it. I think the glow-up between Gaiden and Valen- Shadows of Valencia is one of the biggest and best glow-ups of music that I've seen. Big words, but uh, honestly, the only reason I wouldn't necessarily agree is because the original composition is uh, already as solid as it is in my eyes. Uh, I'm not saying that it was bad. Oh yeah, no, clearly. No, but like, if the floor is higher, the ceiling needs to be higher to compensate. Absolutely. Yeah, uh... Like, another track in this game that does even more an impressive job was uh, the bus track, which I didn't pick only because it's basically a 20-second loop, and they decided to basically shove an entire orchestra into a blender and (laughs) condensate it as hard as they can to fit in those 20 seconds absolutely everything. It's crazy. That sounds like a wild 20 seconds. I might have to hear this at some point. (laughs) Well, it'll only take 20 seconds. That's fair. (laughs) Anyway, that's all I have to say for now on uh, March to Deliverance. So let's move on to a completely different series. Zeroll, take it away. About that. (laughs) Yes? Uh, Look, my love for... Three Houses is strong, and I'm about to show it. Apex of the World. Mmm. Mmm. While the introduction introduction of electric electric sounds changes the dynamics slightly, it still has the driving tempo of tactics games, pushing the player forward to the next decision, the next tactic, and movement. The specific uh, strength of the uh, Edge of Dawn leitmotif is that it feels conclusive in its feeling, but also also gives a glimmer of hope for a person. Yes, it's uh, climactic, very much so. Yeah. There's a mystique to it, there's an intensity to it with the voices, but uh, it's very much uh, like the track says, the apex. It's now, after this moment, things will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Which is why it takes parts from multiple songs, in fact, to wrap things up. There's some food line rains in there too. Mm-hmm. And while I did only place the Rain version, there are actually two versions of Apex of the World in the game. Rain and Thunder. One which has a more, like, you can feel it just as a it's pure form. Thunder be having the drums in the background more pronounced uh, as it resounds through the field. Right. Yeah, and the difference in usage is that uh, they have the system in three houses where they have a bass track when you're just reviewing the units and the likes, 
and when a battle actually happens, because the animation isn't like, uh, say, a tactic soga where our sword slash is just lift the sword, slash the sword, that took under a second. There, it's longer, it's more involved, everybody needs to do their flourishes and the likes. And so, that gives them a little bit of time to increase the intensity of the track, blending the two versions together so that it swells up to the Thunder version and then returns after the fact to the Rain version. And there's technically one more version that we're gonna say that for now playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's gonna be that that's fun to talk about and that's from Three Hopes. Uh, In fact, there's more than one version there, but we'll return to that later. Mm-hmm. I sense a follow-up discussion incoming. Uh, my <laughs> thoughts on this song, I, honestly, I keep trying to form an opinion about it. I've listened through it maybe three or four times in preparation for this episode. I don't know, it, it, it just feels like Fire Emblem.exe to me. Like, it's just, it... It, it feels like just the modern variation of the music that I'm used to out of this, what little this franchise I've heard. Um, yeah, which, which makes sense since, like I said, it takes part of a lot of previous songs. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm having trouble forming an opinion on this one, is, is I guess my take, which isn't much of one, but I don't know. It's, it's... No, no, it's interesting because uh, if it builds up on what comes before, if you don't have the context of what comes before, some of the impact might be lost. That's a very that good makes point. makes sense. That is a very good point. And this game thrives on knowing what comes before. Well, well, thankfully not to the point of needing to play multiple games to enjoy any individual entry. So for fits. a few continuities. Cough, cough, Fates. No, Fates was more a case of having a Pokemon Blue and Red system. Yeah, uh, but the only difference is Yellow was DLC instead of a third disc altogether. And mm-hmm. also bad. I, You're not the first person to have told me this. Um, I know very little about Fire Emblem that isn't crossed over with Dynasty Warriors. So I don't really have, like, I played one of the older ones for, like, five minutes, decided I hated the battle system, but that was the end of that conversation. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's the same genre as, say, a Tactics Ogre, but it feels very different. It feels uh, very different. How it works. Um, I personally found it a little more uncomfortable, but, again, that's just personal taste. Um... On the other hand, so, um, we mentioned Tactics Ogre a lot around here, but Tactics Ogre is technically a spinoff of a more real-time-ish, heavy-on-the-ish, uh, tactics game, Ogre Battle. And there was a long drought in the Ogre series between Ogre Battle 64 and PSP's Tactics Ogre Let Us Us Cling Together. Oh, yes. In the midst of this... Nepodichi, my nemesis, it feels like, they're, they're almost as like, why are you the way that you are, in my mind, as, as, um, as Kapileheart is, but Kapileheart is even worse. Um, 
Nipponichi tends to make a lot more, like, light-hearted fare. They'll have, like, actual emotional moments, but I don't think Nipponichi has themselves made or developed in one of their internal studios a serious RPG of any kind. Not really. They published a few. I think they're currently the publishers of the Legend of Heroes series, which definitely skews more, um, definitely skews more serious. But generally speaking, you think of Nipponichi, you think of Disgaea and games like that that are very, like, peppy and funny and very jokey and while they'll have serious moments generally speaking it's more in line with the comedy and having a good time and not taking itself too seriously so unfair. yeah um so a game like soul nomad which definitely skirts the more serious line harder than any other nippon ichi game de developed game i've ever played uh that also happens to be based heavily on and a quasi-spiritual successor to Ogre Battle, was kind of a miracle? Like, I, I actually kind of want to replay this, and this happened during the drought between Ogre Battle 64 and Let Us Cling Together on the PlayStation Portable. Yeah, like, as far as I know, this is the brownest Nipponichi game. Oh, a, a color scheme, it's, it's very brown, yes, but, um... In terms of its content, it still has joking elements, but it definitely is a lot more serious. And the... Especially towards, like, the second half of the game, like, not even towards the end, the second half of the game, uh, the joking becomes much, like, fewer and far between, and even the, like, weird, like, quirky mini-boss you keep fighting over and over again suddenly gets this sad backstory, and it's just like, oh, wow, they're really going for it on this game. <laughs> um, to the point where they have an alternate mode, the Demon Path, which is probably one of the darkest modes I've ever played in a video game. But which is really saying something. None of that is particularly relevant to this song, however, this song is Rock and Rocks, one of the, like, harder battle-slash-boss themes of Soul Nomad. Um... It's rocks. Rock and Rock rocks hard. Yeah, it does. Uh, although one thing I noticed when I selected this song, and I don't know how I didn't notice this, I'm a big fan of a Swedish uh, melodic death metal band called Dark Tranquility. Uh, in fact, one of the three bands, along with In Flames and At The Gates, that basically invented melodic death metal. Um, man, the intro to Rock and Rock sounds an awful lot like a Dark Tranquility track. Like a specific <laughs> one. They're the same picture. Yeah, they're the same picture. <laughs> Very much so. Um, Perfect. Once you find the things picture. Yep, exactly. Um, these are similar enough that I have to assume there's some, like, when worlds collide slash fiend thing going on here when, like, I feel like there was some direct inspiration going on, even if it was accidental. Like, it's too close to be otherwise. Um, once you're out of the intro, the song definitely does its own thing, and definitely... Yeah, like, at best, at best, it's uh, the composer that listened to uh, that other track slept, forgot about where it came from, or that he listened to a track specifically, but still had it in his head, mm -hmm. and decided to put it in this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Uh, but man, if you're talking a tense action song for a tactical RPG, um... Because unlike Ogre Battle, this one actually was turn-based going into the battles. Like, it didn't 
it didn't do uh what ogre battle does where it has all the units moving it's a lot more it's a lot closer to disgaea than uh ogre battle is but that's you know it's still that middle ground um yeah, like, when i listen to this track what i see uh because i haven't played that game but i can definitely see a game with some very fleshy special attacks in particular yeah yeah um and it's definitely a game that I kind of want to revisit and see if it holds up. Um one day maybe. But uh yeah, no, this this track definitely goes hard and doesn't really quit. Like it doesn't it does have that breathing room a little bit towards the middle but not nearly to the same degree as some of the other songs. Like its bridge is quieter but not really quiet. It definitely skirts that line between that I said earlier between oppressive and pressing. Yeah. Like, you hear this song playing, you gotta move. Um now Which kinda makes me wonder, given the steady pace of a tactics game, when is a fast track too fast for the genre? Uh Honestly, that depends entirely on the scenario, because we're going to be talking about a couple of tracks later that actually go way harder and still feel right for what they're playing. Yep. I don't think... I, I Again, this one's for kind of... I, I don't think it was actually for a boss sequence. It's been a while, so I don't actually remember. But this one definitely goes as hard as it needs to. I don't recall... I don't recall from my playthrough of this game anything being particularly jarring. Well, that's good, that's good means that uh, I mean a right track is nothing more than a right tool for a right job at the end of the day yeah um, if it needs to go hard it can go hard in whatever genre of game it needs to yep uh, this is definitely one of the better tracks from really honestly for me anything Nipponichi developed and I'm going to emphasize developed again because published is a whole other category of course um, I've never found their music to be that strong. Like, it's never been bad, but it's never really been that memorable either. Um. So you did mention this guy earlier. I did. I am very inclined to disagree on the basis of a, a specific game, which is not even the game I'm going to talk about very soon, but they literally made a game that's a musical. Wait, what? Huh? Yeah, Rhapsody a Musical Adventure. Oh. It is an actual musical. Huh. I have good. so many questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. We I know some of those songs by heart. Okay, maybe I mean maybe that one turns a quarter. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you just uh, slip between the raindrops, so to speak. I feel like that's a reference that we're Same. not getting. No, no, that's not. Okay, then, never mind. That's just a weird French train to speak English kind of formulation. Pay no heed. And carry on. On the subject of carrying on, we were just talking Disgaea. Maybe we should talk Disgaea. Let's talk this Gaia. So, Hysteric Kingdom from this Gaia. 
essentially, uh, this is the Nipponichification of one of the first tracks we've uh, covered. Like, that's uh, very much something with a tactic pace to it. Right. But at the same time, it manages to add a bit of whimsy and a bit of chaos in it, uh, which stretches the theme, turns it around, subverts it a little, maybe. And uh, it's... Actually, it's pretty good by itself, but looking into it for this podcast made me respect it even more. Hmm. Like, the way the music's elements are layered on each other is uh, really nice, because it both keeps a steady pace, but at the same time, the essentially, the musical phrases on the foreground and the background seem to play a bit of a relay race when one starts, then passes to the other, and then ends while the other eventually continues, passes back to the front, then ends, and they have this interplay like that, but manages to add the more personally driven and the more chaotic energy that fits the theme and the universe of this Gaia without detracting from the steady pace of uh, a tactics track. Right. Uh, we call that point-counterpoint composition, is the official term for it. Point-counterpoint composition. Wonderful. Fun little term. <laughs> yeah. Um, dueling banjos is a great example of point-counterpoint. Um, for those of you fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how much of a purist you are, who saw the special edition of Return of the Jedi, the new version of that song at Jabba's Palace, is also a good example of point-counterpoint. Yeah, so uh, there's, uh, of course, a lot of drums to drive that there is a militaristic aspect to it all, but uh, instead of an organized army fighting for justice, it's a bunch of uh, uh, loosely organized backstabbing demon murder hobos. <laughs> so, regular adventures, right. Got yeah, it. that sounds about right. That's Exactly. Also giving me some real Soul Calibur vibes. Oh, I didn't hear that at first, but now that I'm thinking about the track, I think you may have hit the nail on the head there. Interesting. I think somebody in the comment section of one of the versions of that track hit the nail of the, on the head, and I just covered his remark. Or um, fair remark, really. That's fair. Yeah, but it's like, oh yeah... Once you say that, I can hear it pretty clearly. Exactly. And of course, as a big Soul Calibur fan, this uh, appeals to me. Yeah. Very understandably so. Um, I actually will have a question for you about now playing in regards to that, but let's move on. Um... Yeah, this song is cool. It's definitely one of the better songs out of Disgaea. I still... It's another one of these songs that I still don't have anything, like, really definitive, like, emotional connection to. It's fine. It's a fine song. I, I don't think it's very memorable, but it's it's interesting enough. It's certainly... Again, it, it's one of these that just doesn't detract. 
Yeah, I picked this one specifically because it's one of the most normal sounding. Because which... that, that soundtrack goes into weird ways, which makes sense given its weird setting. But it's nice to have some tracks where they are grounded because there's a lot of levels to go through, even in the story without taking account the absolute infinity of dungeons you have available. Right. Maybe maybe too much. Item World was a mistake. It's nice if you love the grind and want more excuse to grind your grinding implements while you grind as a grinder, grind, grind, grind. Yes. But uh, as much as I understand big number go bigger as an appeal, Sometimes it, you can have too it much. It can only number. carry me so far. Yes, like only... I went end game on the first Disgaea, but uh, none of the others, even though they elaborate in some pretty interesting ways. But yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about this track. It's it's very solid and uh, still manages to have its personality shine through. Uh. Speaking of weird variation to established theme, uh, how about some Pokemon? Yeah. Okay, so this one, this one, this one's a deep cut. Anyone who was back in the dark ages of that weird twilight area between the DS ending and the 3DS starting remembers that game that came out between Black and White and Black and White 2 called Pokemon Conquest. Yes, and now, I Pokemon think my Conquest was, what? Now, Pokemon Conquest it's not a regular Pokemon game. It's not a Ranger game. It's not a Mystery Dungeon game. It's not any of the weird side spin-off things. It's a crossover it with Nobunaga's Ambition. So, a story about this one. This one threw me the heck off. Uh, I'm a big Samurai Warriors fan. Shocker, I know. I talk about Dynasty Warriors like every week on this show, it seems like. Um, and I remember going into RPG Fan, this this new site that I like, um, and seeing Nobunaga from Samurai Warriors 3 plastered on it. I'm like, the heck is going on here? It was not a crossover I was expecting at all. But it does some amazing things. For instance, it's OST. There's a there was a few tracks that I was thinking about bringing up here. The episode start theme, perhaps, or normal battle, but I decided to heat it up a little bit. Fun, absolutely. Ha. So. I decided to go with the fire battle. So there were themes made for every single type battle. I was literally about to game. ask. Okay. There, there, like, there's the normal fire, water, grass, electric, rock, all of those. Uh, there's also like boss theme, legendary theme, very variations on a theme. Um, 
but each one has its own specific flair to it. And Fire Battle is one that allow uses its instrumentation I think the best for where it is. It is a track that combines the feeling that Pokemon normally has, that breathy, like, open feeling with the Shogunate feel of the battlefields of Nobunaga past. Well, I haven't yep. played in Nobunaga before, I still can understand the feel and the know to know that. Yeah, like, uh, it's very honorable Edo-era battle. Uh, even without any Pokemon context to it. The instrumentation is very much there. When I was listening to this, I was thinking, um, I was thinking to myself that the Samurai Warriors influence, at least on the music, is actually rather clear. Like, if this were playing at, like, Odawara Castle or something, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Yeah, and, uh, what ties things up even more clearly is that uh, we've said before in an episode that Dynasty Warriors has its sound, which is very guitar-heavy, mm-hmm. and uh, Samurai Warriors, excluding Five, has its sound as well, right? which is much more uh, electronic. And uh, what also has uh, that, those kind of sounds uh, in general is... The Pokemon games, past the original where it was difficult to distinguish between instruments, but once they had their own sounds, they had, for a lot of them, a bit of a futuristic uh, kind of a background sound that uh, we can definitely hear that almost used as a bass in this case. Right. Uh, and the way that ties up those different influences and uh, kind of show what they have in common is uh, a nice little intersection. And it still has that driving theme of a tactics game. Right. Of a tactics game. But it also includes, like, combines the full, like, feeling of the crossover franchise. Crossover franchises. Like, even without context, you hear that track, that's a battle track. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Not a frantic one, but a calculated one. You know, there's some strategic going on. And it's perfect for, which makes it perfect for a ta- a tactical, just, alright, focusing on this, keeping it up, keeping it up, alright, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels right from what little I know of the game. This is this is just sort of one of those giant question marks out there that I almost want to play on a whim just to see if it's any good. Just because it's <laughs> just so out there. Um, it is. I've heard good, I've heard decent things about it from the people who've played it. So have yeah, I. Yeah, but it's very existence. It's like, oh yeah, that happened. Kind of a dancing it, bear situation. It doesn't really matter if the bear dances well, it's that it dances at all. Which it beautifully said. Which bring that up again. Reminder: This happened in the black and white between black and white and black and white two. The DS was on the way out. 
Yeah, and then the 3DS would take two years to have any good games on it. Ow! So, like... <laughs> Look, Super Mystery Dungeon didn't do any, any favors. <laughs> okay. I don't know, I thought that uh, Ocarina remake was pretty good. No, okay. It's a remake, come on. Well... I had to wait until Kitty Carrot's Uprising and Fire Emblem Awakening to justify the purchase. I mean, as far as the 3DS is concerned, I waited all the way till Linked Between Worlds, so I get it. Pokemon <laughs> Y for me. I see. Uh, speaking of obscure deep cuts... Uh, what? Speaking of absolute masterpieces, you mean Front Mission Free? Come I'm on! Not sure Front Mission's a deep cut. Even I've heard of that one. Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mine is oh, more of a deep cut than his is. <laughs> I agree. Um, like I, I'm going to go for a deeper cut uh, further on. Front Mission is a pretty popular series that hasn't had any entry recently, although here's hopes that the remakes of 1 and 2 will revive a bit of interest in the franchise. Uh, but as far as the general opinion is concerned, uh, the series peaked at 3, which is convenient because that's the only one I really played. Well, there you go. Uh, so now that brings a question that I have. Because my brain is like, I can't keep track of all of these. This isn't the one that was from From Software, is it? No, that's Armored Core. That's Armored Core, okay. Yeah, front mission is uh, from Square. Oh! Oh, uh, what? It is? I think so. This I doesn't sound anything... Uh, you know, I say this doesn't sound like anything Square's ever done, but I'm the guy playing Power Watch Simulator right now, and that's definitely not like anything <laughs> Square's ever done, so... Like, Yep, no, whatever. I confirm that's by Square. Okay! Developed and published. That's... Huh. Aha uh -huh is a good word for it. I wouldn't have even remotely called that. Because this song is like... Very march. Very hit the beat hard as you can. It... It's definitely hits the chord of... Crashing forward brutal mechanical engines of war rather than like yeah. specific soldiers. It's, it's a march. Yeah, like, uh, to clarify, Front Mission 3 is... Uh... A tactics game that happens uh, with uh, pilots piloting mechs, right? Uh, which is which justifies already a bit of mechanical sounds and a bit of weight to them, and uh, that's really part of what drove me to pick it for this episode because I wanted also tracks that weren't only in a medieval setting. And uh, naturally fought back to Front Mission because it's very, very good, has a lot of content, had probably a better in-universe internet navigator than the actual internet navigators at the time, because it's from 1907, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, as far as this track goes, the weight is incredible. Like, uh, that's about a mech that takes more than one tile, when one tile is already the size of a small building. Uh, but even through that, uh, there's still this warlike theme that's 
somehow come on to the uh, more medieval settings games of the tactics genre. The drums are still there, but they are way heavier. There's drums on top of drums on top of drums. Uh, they pan around, which really makes it feel like uh, the threat is bigger than you because it surrounds you like that. Right. Kind of feels like you just insulted a building and the building decided uh, you need your face punched. Except you actually the size of a bug as well. That's the... That's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. My point being, it sounds huge. It does sound huge. It, that is one thing Absolutely. this does very right. Yes. And if it's the only things it wants to convey, uh, I think it does a pretty good job. Yeah, that gets the mission accomplished button press for sure. And that's pretty much all I have to say about uh, that track. Sometimes being big is a quality of its own. And being mechanically big makes sense for a mecha game. Right. And uh, now let's go to another interesting variation in theme and color contrasting the more standard uh, tactics game we've had. Let's go black, white and red with some Other Side. So, Other Side is a game I played for a Halloween special for one day and I always intended to go back to it because it was a fascinating game. Um, I never did. Um, and this is unfortunate because this game is actually, like, really cool. This is a much deeper cut. This one's an actual deeper cut. Um, because mm -hmm. I'm... Yeah, like, it's recent, but indie and interesting. Yeah, it has yeah. some, like, roguelike elements. You're not supposed to win most of the time. You've got to kind of go through iterations to build yourself up to get to the point where you can win. Um... It's got quasi-permadeath, and I say quasi in that you're going to end up with a lot of, like, dead units that stay that way, but there are specific ways to resurrect specific ones of them, and eventually, towards the end of the game, you're just going to use the same three characters and just resurrect them constantly. Uh, but you have to get to that point. Um, this game is kind of a post-apocalypse quasi-demon game, and it's really, really weird. And weird in a good way. Yes. Um, I can feel that. Yeah. The track that you chose in Desperate Battle, uh, the slow feel helps emphasize the meaning of the title for it. Like, not not only just it has the normal drums of a tactical game, like the pressing forwardness, but it's still slow and dread. Yeah. The, yeah. The sharp, like, but the sharp violin and chimes also help draw out that feeling of dread and fear that comes from the hope, from a hopeless situation. Which, as you've described from the game, like that's the main point. Yeah. This is a horror game. It's a horror strategy RPG. And unlike yeah. other attempts I've seen at the genre, like as joking as it was, grotesque tactics, which lived up to its name. Um. <laughs> It actually largely succeeds in creating kind of a horror environment. It's got a real Lovecraftian vibe to it throughout. 
And you can hear that very much. Be- yeah. Because the contrast between the soft pace, the low drums, and the very high-pitched instruments uh, adds a dissonance that uh, really helps uh, the horror aspect when the track is not uh, using more violins to have more of a almost Castlevania feel to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I would actually agree with that. Not not nearly as melodic as Castlevania, that's for sure. Which I think yeah, works exactly. to its credit. This is this is very much an Eddie track. I was thinking of him uh, when yes. I selected it. Uh, it's yes. dark, ambient, it's atmospheric, it's still got some vibe to it. Um, it's not absent melody. It's not, like, completely ambient, obviously. Uh, obviously. I think its melody line is actually pretty solid. But, um... It's very different from the other selections here today, and I think, like, that was, this was actually my second pick when I was picking my, when I was picking my songs for the week. I, I knew, like, alright, well, I have to go with Tactics Ogre because, duh, but let's also yeah. grab one from other side because I have not given that game enough love, and I really need to go back to it. It's been, like, three years. I'm probably going to have to restart at this point. But, yeah, I, I, I always found the setting fascinating, especially for a Tactics game. The... Yeah, like this setting, uh, it gives me the a similar vibe of as thing games like uh, I Divine Cybermancy or Xenoclash even of uh, very constructed settings that emphasize doing things extremely differently than any other game of its genre. Yes, I can absolutely they want agree with that. to stand out and boy do they. Yeah, between the roguelike elements and the generative elements and the fact that it is a rather effective horror game. Um, and the fact it's using three colors. It's using three colors. I think there's some yellow in the actual game as well. I think there's a big yellow crystal at some point. But um, Oh, well, that's the same as Mad World, then. There you go. Um, I will say that, like, yellow being representative of something alien in its in the way of that like that's because you know the three co- the three colors that make up like what your characters and everything around them are mm-hmm. and having something completely different and off base from there that feels like that's nah, um problematic this also is the only XCOM style or at least XCOM enemy unknown style of tactics RPG that really kind of stuck in my mind. Um, so if you've played, obviously, as I mentioned, XCOM Unknown, or, like, Gears Tactics, um, this plays more like that than something grid-based. Basically the ones where the angle of the cover matters. Yes. Um, also, which... Dio Field Chronicles, which, has anyone actually played that? I know technically I'm skipping ahead to now playing, but I think that's out now. Has anyone even looked into that? Is it? I've oh, heard I of it, but I haven't yet? really Is it? looked into it. I feel like it may have released. Nope. September 22. I lied. You um, did. Again. I am bad at this today. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought I heard that it was out. Whatever. Now, I've got to say, the XCOM style has never personally appealed to me to any incredible degree. But we're getting, but there are some exceptions, and 
I feel like as a gateway, especially if you're into the horror genre, this one works. I think a soundtrack really helps sell it. Um, on the other hand, it's not like XCOM themselves has a bad version of, you know, a soundtrack. That song you picked, Rana, is kind of no joke. I wonder if you are going to like it. Uh, before we go that, uh, I believe you should, uh, like I said, acknowledge what's going on in your background. Yeah, let me do that. So, um... There's some construction going on outside, and as much as I, uh, as much as I try to soundproof my office, unfortunately, the new place is not nearly as tight as the LA place. So, there's this tile cutter that's going on outside. If there's tile cutter noise in my audio, there's very little I could do about that short of pausing the episode and coming back to it later, which I don't think any of us can really schedule right now. At least it isn't the rooster. I'm I'm soundproofed enough for that guy. I'm soundproofed <laughs> enough for that rooster who I may as well tell this story. So the other day I actually had like the worst migraine of my life and woke up at four in the morning and like trundled into my office to try to do something, anything. And at four in the morning, it was still pitch blackout. The rooster started going. Oh yeah, they don't wait. I'm like, the sun isn't even up. I understand you crowing all throughout the day. It's not that right now. It is literally nighttime. There is no sunlight. Stop! So anyway, the next track is called Kill Them All. All being capitalized. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's happening is that this is definitely a case where it's Maybe a bit too fast or intense for a tactics games, but there's a reason for that. So XCOM Apocalypse, the third uh, mainline uh, XCOM series before they uh, rebooted, um, is uh, a bit of a hybrid tactics game. They experimented with a few things, one of them being the possibility to have real-time combat instead of turn-by-turn. Uh, and, and the soundtrack had to work for both modes. And so yeah, they have to match that pace and that in part explains the intensity of that track. The other part is that the music changes mid-map because there's some much calmer tracks when you're exploring buildings around uh, it's only buildings, there's no nature, because it all is happening in a single city. And so, you're just searching through office buildings, uh, where the aliens may be, the movement is hidden, they're lurking around, and suddenly you see someone pop off, and uh, the threats are pretty big right from the start, like... One of the main bioweapons the enemy uh, the enemies are using isn't even that direct weapon. It's a gun that shoots other smaller aliens, named Brainseeker. And if one manages to get in melee range and jump on one of your soldiers, that soldier is instantly lost, main-controlled forever. Except if that soldier is a cyborg, of course. That's brutal. Yes, That's... it is. That's like, a lot. The, yeah, and given that level of threat, uh, that level of music makes more sense. Yeah, especially kidding. given that you have 
some pretty hefty weaponry to fade back. Like one of the main issues I have with uh, Apocalypse is that you start with all of those awesome options. You have laser sniper rifles and uh, heavy tommy guns and auto cannons that can fire explosive or, or incendiary ammo and uh you lose them all after uh, the first mission? Uh nope. That's okay. not the problem. Uh there's two problems. One is that uh like I try like I discovered when I tried the uh the real time mode uh, if you have a soldier with some reaction available that uh, is looking about with, say, an autocannon you forgot was loaded with incendiary ammo, mm -hmm. the problem is that he's going to use it. And if you destroy buildings, you may have the owner of, that, of those buildings get kind of mad at you and cut your fundings, which is already pretty fun. Uh, but no, the main problem is that you start with all of those awesome options, even have a limited amount of anti-gravity anti armor, and the endgame weapons are a squirt gun. <laughs> sure, loaded with chemicals that dissolves the enemy aliens, but it's just a tiny piddly thing that goes... That's wonderful. Yeah. You start with all of those huge explosive weapons and you end up with that. That is... Uh, of course, in that context, the kind of intensity of the battles gets a bit lost. But it initially, become, it works great. It goes from intense military, like, fighting aliens with the power of, like, military might to... Comical and absurd. That's yes. I kind of love that, but I'm also kind of terrified of that. Yeah. Good, good. The game isn't isn't bad as far as I'm concerned. However, it does. Uh, let's just say that other games in the genre manage to better represent an escalation in power level, including the uh, post reboot XComs, which are all very good as well. But uh, the music tends to be more uh, kind of Hollywood heroics uh, kind of uh, a tone, while this one is more about a few scared yet heavily armed rookies about to get in a dirty scraps, and whatever happens, nobody's going to truly be a winner, including the owner of that terrain and the terrain next door. That is... And again, when music matches gameplay like that, it just tickles me the right way. Yeah, no, obviously when things connect well, it's always good. It, um... And yes, like uh, Geisterfuck says in chat, you can indeed do things like, if you are not a afraid of losing funding for a peculiar faction, just raise the whole building and call it a day. I mean, that's a good option. Do they, I forget. Do they have that stuff in Unknown? 
to a degree. The main difference is that there's eight levels of elevation in Apocalypse, and in Unknown there's like two, three. Yeah. So you can definitely uh, throw a grenade under an alien that's on the floor above it, and that will definitely be effective. But uh, you can't really uh, destroy all of the walls and annihilate a building the way this game lets you do. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's also a game that's happening further in the future than any other game in the series, except maybe uh, Enforcer. Uh, which is a third-person shooter. What are you saying? Is it further than remake XCOM 2? Uh, yes, definitely, because uh, remake XCOM 2 happens a few years after the first one, which happens before the original one, I believe. Or at a similar time frame, anyway. Uh, like, we're talking, uh, original happened in, like, 1990, uh, Apocalypse ha- happens in, like, uh, 2080, which is why you have uh, robots and hybrid aliens as uh, recruitable characters. Geister is saying Apocalypse is 97. That's the release date of the game, I'm talking about the date in the game. Which is 2080, I believe, yes. Uh, which is also why in the track Kill Them All and many other, there is definitely more of a futuristic uh, uh, tone with the electronic instruments used. So on the subject of games that were released in 1997 to great acclaim. Uh, Let's talk about probably the game everybody thinks of when they think strategy RPGs. Cyril, take it away. So, also, going from sci-fi back to medieval. Yeah, let's bookend this bad boy. Yeah, back back to the top, because it's composed by the same guy as my first pick, too. Absolutely. What? You mean there's common links between Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics? Who would have guessed? Wow. So, it pull it is able to pull off the tac- the tactics feel, the driving drums, the orchestral full feel for- that you would normally expect from like the more medieval uh, based tactics games. And just the song that I chose, Trisection, so good at portraying what it does. It actually was placed not just in Final Fantasy Tactics, but also they put it in Final Fantasy XIV in a raid in there, which is how I first learned about it. Yeah, and I mean, that uh, plodding drums definitely uh, fits... 24 angry people running in uh, corridors the size of uh, a building and a half. Yeah, um, I believe this was used... I want to say this was for the angriest boss fight? 
This was you. I might have been a bro. Might have been a bro name. No, I think it was used between buses even. No. Yeah. Maybe. No, it absolutely wasn't because I remember the songs that were. Yeah, I think it was for Agrius. Huh. Well, guess I haven't uh, played uh, Final Fantasy XIV Heidel in a while. Um, apropos of nothing, I like that I got to beat up Ag uh, to got to beat up Argath again. Moving on. <laughs> to be fair, it doesn't come up a lot on roulette. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's a pretty a reason... decently hard raid. But... Yeah, and I think currently it's uh, part of the irregular tombstones. True. Go yes. go play the go play the raid, get your tombstones, and listen to this song. <laughs> um, so this song is definitely one of the more like more angry songs from that soundtrack. We were just talking about that, but that game went a little harder than uh went a little harder than Tactics Ogre did in general. That one was always a lot more intense, and I think that kind of works to its credit. It kind of sells just how serious the situation in that game is. Um, Tactics Ogre is, I guess, more of a local conflict, while the civil war that's going on in, in Final Fantasy Tactics is... It starts angry and stays there, and never really has a moment to calm down except for random battles on the overworld. Yes, like, uh, it starts angry and becomes monstrous. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, that uh, tactics game pace we've mentioned a lot of times already throughout this episode is nailed to a T. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, if not to say that it helped define it in the first place, because it's Final Fantasy Tactics. It is. Uh, it's funny to think that Tactics Ogre actually came first, and Yasumi Matsuno was, in fact, approached by Square to be like, Hey, could you do that for this series, too? Yes. Um, so, I, I always get a laugh out of people saying that Tactics Ogre ripped off FFT, when it was actually the opposite. <laughs> Classic. Uh, and I say ripped Isn't off. Isn't it crazy like, that Power Man 5000 ripped off Zokan? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> um. No, obviously Hitoshi Sakimoto is kind of a master of this genre. And while he is very capable of other things, like his work on Dragon Quarter Breath of Fire was really good, obviously his work on Final Fantasy XII, though that one does go a little too hard at times. Um. He is obviously most associated with, uh, obviously most associated with the tactics, tactics genre for this reason. This is just sort of what he does and what he does well. Don't break, don't fix what ain't broken. Pretty much. Um, didn't he also do like a weird, crappy Romeo and Juliet anime? Was that him? Dude, half. I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to look that up. I'm... Yeah. That one's a little off-brand for him, I think. Uh, assuming that was him, <laughs> I could be wrong. You know what, I'm gonna... Look, sometimes you get yep. really good composers okay, on that was. really eh things. Romeo Cross Juliet in 2007. Yeah, that was... 
That's a weird fit for him. That's a weird fit for him. Um, but yeah, obviously the soundtrack to Final Fantasy Tactics is a classic for a reason. Uh, this came out right around the same time as Final Fantasy VII. It got completely overshadowed. It has a core base of really dedicated fans, myself very highly among them. Um, and the soundtrack really helps with that. Um, we're getting uh, Tactics Ogre on Steam very soon. I'm really hoping we also get Final Fantasy Tactics at some point. According to some leaks and rumors, that's coming as well. I don't know. I'm not putting stock in that just yet, but... So far, the leak yes. announcements from that... Let's in wait until the confirmation. Yeah. I mean, just continue being a prophetic self. <laughs> I mean, I've been talking about the possibility of this for a while, and we managed to make it happen. I think our prophecy powers are very good. Yeah, no, I would, I would adore more tactics. And again, the soundtrack is part of that. Um, this particular song, what can... What can be said about it? It's it's the same thing. It's always got it's got the strong string section, the incredibly strong melody line. It's a little more hardcore minor key, but I don't think there's a problem with that even for one second. Yeah, like the minor key adds. Uh, uh, I said uh, Soul Nomad before was definitely the most brown game from uh, Nipponichi. Tactics has this brown quality to it, and that sound is part of it. Um, I will admit that that brown quality is mostly in the artwork and the most powerful character in the game's outfit. Um, it's actually yes. fairly colorful to look at, which is to its credit. Yeah. Which is one of the staples of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Which um, makes me interested in what they're going to do with 16. We will see. Uh, I believe Sokin is doing the music on 16. Has that been confirmed? Yeah. Yep. He uh, has. Okay, thought so. He's been officially credited as the composer of FF14 and Mario Free on Free Hoops. That's on his resume. <laughs> <laughs> you can't run away from the truth. <laughs> No, but I can run away from this topic. Um, on the subject of Final Fantasy Tactics, uh... <laughs> on the subject of Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, while we were bringing this up, um, I remembered a really cool remix by, I believe he's Portuguese? Um, Ferdy K. A, uh, really, really cool remixer. Um... Oh, so that's how you pronounce it. I did think Ford was strange. I, to be honest, I was with Brana on this one. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's Ferdy K, but uh, maybe it's Ferd. Probably no, not. No, no, that's if it wasn't Ferdy K before, it is now. Fair enough. Um, so this guy I first discovered from near remixes, actually. He did some really interesting uh, Nier Automata metal remixes, which is, like, for such a vocal soundtrack, usually when they take the vocals out, it makes things worse, but he managed to replace a lot of them with guitar lines and actually make it function, so I have to give him credit for that. Um, yeah. So when Materia Collective was putting together their Zodiac album, uh, they got this guy on Run Pass Through the Plane. This is not a song that should work. 
He's good at making not things work. Not with that level of guitar, anyway. Yeah, he's good at making things work that shouldn't. Um, because man, this is good. This this is... guy would bring a Project Crozon to flex. That's the kind of guy he is. If it makes that songs well this way. Yeah, he he would. He would. He's got that energy. Um. This particular remix always kind of struck me as this could actually probably go in a more high-energy tactics game itself. I I did mention that so my notes where it has the similar feel to the uh, normal Final Fantasy Tactics OST, but it trades out some of the orchestral like fullness to the more precision of rock that allows for uh, a more high intensity yeah um when i listened to the song all i could think of is man i thought daughter of trade city was bad the first time around i'd hate to hear the version that has this as the soundtrack Thanks. <laughs> um for those of you who don't know daughter trade city is a notoriously difficult early game stage in final fantasy tactics that if you are not prepared for you are going to get annihilated um and this particular song, or at least the remix of it, or at least the non-remix of it, does not play there. I was about to say it did, and I was about to be a liar again, and then I remembered, no, that's a different song entirely, and I'm going to shut up now. Good. <laughs> I finally managed to stop lying today. Go me. <laughs> just, just barely. You've grown. Just barely. It's a good song. That's it. That's all yes. I'll say. It's a good song. It's a good remix <laughs> that shouldn't work, but does. Um, yeah. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Absolutely. Well, I think that's as good as note as any uh, to uh, discuss uh, what we are playing. Galen, I let you do the jingle because you do it so well. Music Arcade, now playing. Um... So I got two games on my list, um, one of which is actually going to get more of a discussion than you might think. And that first one is Square's newest release, ha 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 ha, Power Wash Simulator. Okay, you're going to need to justify that. I am going to. Um, this game has no innate soundtrack. That has been driving me crazy. So I've been hunting for royalty-free music to play because Night Ride FM, despite technically being royalty-free, still has enough copyright trolls going after it that I can't actually play that on my stream without getting muted. Um, and that's a good idea to stack up on that with a two-point compass releasing in, like, under a month, I believe. Yes, exactly. Um, and I discovered uh, this synthwave slash synth um, something, dark wave, cyberpunk wave, whatever, uh, Carl Casey from White Bat Audio. So I've been playing his stuff, and that's all royalty-free, all owned by him, released by him, shipped by him, on YouTube and Spotify, by him, playlists by him. So I've been using that for Power Raw Simulator. It's maybe a little too hardcore for that game, but I like the vibe, and I appreciate that it's royalty-free. And Geister in chat is informing me that Riot released copyright-free music for streamers to use called Sessions. I was not actually aware Sweet. of this, and I'm going to have to look that up. Royal TV is pretty great these days. Um, 
So I wanted to give a shout out yeah, to that, uh... hmm? Yeah, so I wanted to give a shout out to Carl Casey and White Bat Audio for letting me have something to listen to while I play Power Wash Simulator. Something's dirty in this dark town, and there's only one thing that can solve it. Pretty much. That was my dark wave impression. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, it doesn't quite fit, but it keeps my ears happy. Uh, the other <laughs> game I've been playing is the Yakuza spinoff Judgment. Um, that game That's is cool. Game. That game is cool. It's, it's modern day Yakuza Zero without the Japanese porn stars running around. Yet. Yet? Do we know if they're coming? Because <laughs> that was like really throwing me off in Yakuza Zero, gotta be honest. I mean, I don't know if they're coming. I haven't played that game. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't have a PlayStation. We could talk about the Hollywood drama behind the Judgment <laughs> Games till we're blue in the face, but um, the short version is uh, the game just has that kind of like techno goodness that the Yakuza series is known for. Nothing like too super memorable, but the battle themes are good, and that's what I like about it. Rana, do we want to talk about Fire Emblem I mean, now? I mean, I haven't really touched it since I finished my first playthrough because I'm waiting on some DLC before tackling the second one to spice things up a bit. But the short and long of it is that Fire Emblem Free, House, Free Hopes, the warrior spin-off of Fire Emblem Free Houses, has a very good soundtrack that offers not one but two additional variations to a lot of the track. In fact, maybe three, because there's uh, the main track that's happening when you're just running around murdering enemies by the thousands. You know, the normal settings. Then you have the way it changes for when you're in awakening mode and you have conversely the way it cools down when you're in the menus which is also a variation of whatever track you're currently listening to I like the when track that happens I actually, the track that I mentioned earlier in the podcast Apex of the World has those, those similar variations Embers and Inferno uh, which Inferno, I have been listening to really nonstop since I started. I heard it first because it's really good. <laughs> yeah, this one is very good, but my own favorite is more between heaven and earth, which just—I mean, I think I talked about it last time. If I didn't, the short of it is that it is absolutely what I could. Uh, Dream of when I think warriorized version of a free hope strike that's already pretty good by itself. Absolutely, I've also been listening to that as well, and it's they did an amazing strong job. choirs, strong guitar, everything is just Mwah. chef's kiss. But that isn't what I played the most these days, because since last week I have put 
another 60 hours into a Switch game, namely Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I assume and Ace Plus and company are putting in their usual good work? Yep, you assumed correctly. I expected some excellent soundtrack, and I got an excellent soundtrack. This game started out doing a very good job at being exactly what I expected. Which is a good thing, because my expectations were high, and it exactly met them. That's pretty impressive, honestly. Okay. And uh, musically as well. Honestly, I probably liked... Uh, like, it is my least favorite Xenoblade uh, soundtrack. But uh, so that's far, mostly because I really love the other game soundtrack, and this one is... Just very good. That does seem like a step backwards, but still very workable. Um, yeah, and like there's some high points, like uh, even though it's happened a lot and will keep happening a lot, the theme for when you start up a chain attack is just uh, uh, a loop of uh, you doing uh, a terrible, terrible things uh, to a defenseless enemy. And uh, it's it just works well. Now, I have a question, if you don't mind. Yes. The first game featured tracks by Yoko Shimomura. The second featured tracks by Yasunori Mitsuda. Which legend did they have guesting on this track, on this soundtrack? Yeah, no, this time, uh, Yasunori Mitsuda, Ace, Kenji Hinamatsu, Manami, Kiyota, and Mariam Abunasa. Okay, so... The usual suspects. So it's it's so it's Mitsuda yes. again. They just didn't bring back Shimura. Okay, cool. I mean, if it yep. worked for Xenoblade Two, it probably works here. And maybe they'll spice it up a thing a bit for of a big story DLC that will release at the end of next year. Uh did they already announce that? Yep. Oh, great. So they're doing their version of the Golden Country. Cool. Pretty much. Uh, but so, yeah, no, the very, very fun game. I am uh, 60 hours in and uh, still eager to enjoy the main content and the side content as soon as they let me actually stretch my legs a little 12 hours in. <laughs> All right. Anything else? I have one more thing. Well, I was asking Rana if he has anything else, then we can move over oh. to you. Oh. I didn't. Or oh, if I had, well, I forgot, so it's my fault we're not talking about it. Okay. Zeril, you're up. What do you got? So, speaking of things that uh, were slightly prophetic in our own individual times... Oh, dear. Uh, I recently started playing Hollow Knight. <laughs> In preparation because of all of the stuff stuff going on around the community with Silksong. And then they were announced oh, a release oh, date. That way, that way. I, I thought you might. I played Hollow Knight to prepare for the tactics episode. <laughs> no. And I was going to question your sanity. <laughs> uh, well, Hollow Knight is a fantastic game. The aesthetic, the music. I put a little snippet of a thing 
one of the best tracks in the game in uh the music arcade chat and it is a beautiful game that has an undertone of dread and curiosity and dark hope in a way <laughs> I think more than anything else, uh, the take I liked the most about uh, this game uh, was from a video review of, of it that said that uh, as an... It, okay, it established the difference between a review and a critique. A critique for a piece of art made sense, but a review didn't because a review is for a product and as a product given the sheer amount of content and value it provides for the price it released at it is completely inattackable mm -hmm. that game is big for its price and Absolutely. very well polished it is it was done by a small team of people, and it has hand-drawn animation, it has all of the staples of something that just works. Yep. And I have been saving up channel points to try and get Galen to play it. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm still at, like, the 10,000... <laughs> well, come to the stream more and you'll generate more points. <laughs> I'm yes, yes, that scheme is flawless. <laughs> yeah. I will I will try to I, I will reconfigure the price. I think I overdid the when I reconfigured the pick a game. I think I overdid it. Um, I mean, you have to take into account uh, the statistic anomaly that is uh, Desi's uh, absolute dedication, and we are very thankful for that. We are very channel. thankful for that, mm -hmm. but that has also made my pick-a-game list half of the Des show, so it's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> calm down sometimes. In nice. any case, Think that, that is much all for me. Uh, I'm gonna get going to, I, I need to do something really quick. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. You can find all the songs we just talked about in a playlist on our YouTube channel, and you can also get in touch with us via email at music.arcade.podcast.gmail.com or on the Discord following the links in the episode description. I think I see Zero boarding a truck to kidnap Rana to the anime dimension. I see Kai, I think they call it. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys next episode. You'll never get me alive! It comes for everyone! Don't fight it!